Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. They're even printed in red to give them a special significance. And so you might ask the question, why on earth are we doing a series called Things That Jesus Never Said? Well, I often think that perhaps in order to find the significance around what Jesus did say, it can also be helpful to work out what he didn't say. Jesus decided specifically not to say a number of different things that often we might attribute to him or might even think that he did say. I mean, there are some silly ones. I've been finding some memes online that suggest that Jesus said a whole bunch of silly things. Check these out. Blessed are the keyboard warriors, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. He didn't say, for what will it profit man if he should gain the whole world and suffer the loss of his iPhone? Although many of us might feel a little bit sympathetic towards that one. My favorite one, though, is one that I saw a little while ago, and it says this. Jesus is sitting with his friends and he says, I told them that I was the son of God and they were like, nah, way. And I was like, Yahweh. Bit of an awful joke there, but never mind. There's a whole bunch of more serious things, though, that we attribute to Jesus that he never actually said. Things like, you don't actually have to forgive everybody. That's what we looked at last week. Or maybe it's that it, you're going to get what you deserve. Or, or maybe that it's just going to be that you're not going to have bad days. Maybe you think Jesus said that and, and he didn't. There are a whole bunch of things that we attribute to Jesus that he never actually said. And one of those, and the one we're going to look at today, is that you should just do what makes you happy. I mean, it's a lovely sentiment, right? And it's one that culture tells us time and time again, to follow your heart, live out your own truth. I mean, you never meet an unhappy, happy person, and surely God would want his children to be happy. But Jesus, and even if you're not a religious person, most people would say that Jesus's teaching was phenomenal and and incredibly significant, Jesus, who claimed to be the Son of God, never ever said really anything of the sort of, you should just do what makes you happy. And maybe you're logging on now and you're thinking, brilliant, typical church, logged on and you're telling me that in order to do this faith deal, in order to come to church, in order to follow Jesus, my life's going to be more miserable than what it is. Well, Jesus didn't say that either, but I can kind of understand why you would think that. Noel Edmonds once said this, The church is the dullest experience that we have in this country. I'd suggest that maybe he watches a couple of episodes of Deal or No Deal, but I kind of get his point. For many people, they think that in order to have a faith, in order to get into church, in order to follow Jesus, it means giving up a whole bunch of fun stuff in their life that makes them happy and to take up a whole bunch of discipline and sing hymns and get involved with all the bells and smells. What we often do is we think that holiness and happiness are mutually exclusive. Maybe you've heard before that Jesus cares far more about your happiness than he does your holiness. Well, Jesus never said that either. In fact, what Jesus said was far greater. And even if you're someone who wouldn't consider themselves a Jesus follower, the way in which Jesus speaks into this, I would bet if you gave it a chance, would lead to a life that is far more consistent and purposeful. Before I get onto what Jesus did say, though, I think it's good to have a look at why he didn't say, just do what makes you happy. There's a whole bunch of different reasons. 
Firstly, happiness is completely subjective. What might make you happy might make somebody else utterly miserable. A silly exercise to do to prove this is just try and gather around with your family and decide to watch something on Netflix that you want to see. What makes one person happy really might not make somebody else happy. And actually, it goes deeper than that. In fact, whilst the idea of just doing what makes you happy seems attractive to us, if everybody took on that worldview, then actually life really wouldn't be much better. Because what other people might want really might affect you in a way that you really don't want. Our actions affect others. I mean, think about it. Maybe it's a work situation and somebody else would be happier with a promotion which involves stabbing you in the back. Maybe it's a case of a partner or a spouse, they'd be momentarily happier in the midst of an argument just to go off and have an affair. Maybe it's a case of going and seeing those really nice trainers you've been keeping your eye on and buying them for 80 quid, although you kind of know that it was three pounds that it cost the manufacturers in a sweatshop halfway around the world at the expense of somebody else. When we live in a worldview of just doing what makes you happy, things don't end up well. When the bottom line becomes your happiness, happiness becomes the standard by which you judge your actions. And the problem is, when everyone does that, then there is no consistent standard. Another reason why just doing what will make us happy perhaps isn't a great idea is that what makes us happy now really won't make us happy later on or might not even live up to the expectation that it promises. I mean, think about this financially. Many of us believe that if only we earn a little bit more, then we would be content. Then we would be happy. I mean, we all know that money can't buy happiness, but it can buy things that make us happy. I mean, you never see an unhappy person on a jet ski. But the reality is, and studies have shown, that once you actually earn an amount of money that allows you to live within your means, which is actually a lot less than people would probably think, more money really doesn't equate to more happiness. And I mean, even think about it for a second. If you're living your life in order to try and be more happy, think about how unstable that is. It only takes one tragedy, one thing outside of your control that turns your world upside down, that completely ruins everything. I mean, that way of living feels so unstable. It makes sense in why Jesus never said, just do what makes you happy. And Jesus was barely a hypocrite in this. When you look at Jesus' life, you would say that it was the perfect life, but maybe not the happiest life. I mean, he was born in what many of us would consider poverty. He spent many of his uh, days and much of his life and lots of his ministry debating with politicians. And many of us would say that that's not a particularly happy thing to do. Or maybe it was the times where he was wrestling with people's demons or getting surrounded by people and he could never get alone. There were definitely moments of happiness in Jesus's life, but there certainly weren't many, particularly when you get to the end of his life, which involved the most horrible execution you can imagine. So what did Jesus say? What was a better way of living that Jesus suggested? Well, I want to ask that you just stick with me just for a second, because these words are hard hitting. And I believe that they might offer a better way of living for many of us. This is what Jesus says. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? 
Is anything worth more than your soul? Ouch. Jesus says this just as he tells his followers that he's going to be executed. In fact, some commentators would suggest that Jesus tells his followers this as they look out where they can see other criminals being walked up, marched up to their own executions with crucifixes strapped to their back. This idea of picking up their crosses, this idea of embracing suffering was real for the disciples. And I think what Jesus is saying is, listen, if you want something greater, if you want to live with a greater purpose, with a greater ending, with a greater storyline, then it's going to involve embracing some suffering, picking up some hardships, accepting some injustices. And I think Jesus says there is something greater if we're prepared to do that at the expense of momentary pleasures that might make us momentarily happy. We might still find that quite difficult to recognize, but an analogy that really helped me understand this more came from a man called Max Lucedo and was later used by Craig Groeschel. And it goes like this. I want you to imagine, imagine with me, that you manage to pick up and find a fish. And as you pick up that fish, you lay it out on the shoreline to admire it. And, and as you look at the fish, it's flapping around everywhere and you kind of get a bit upset because the fish you caught doesn't look very happy. And so you think, okay, what can I do in order to make the fish happier? And so you decide to get out of your pocket loads of 20 pound notes and you start scattering it over the fish to make the, the fish really rich. And the fish is still flapping around and you're like, why is the fish still so unhappy? I've just given it loads of money. And so you decide to catch some more fish and lay them out on the shoreline as well. So the fish has loads of friends, but the fish is still flapping and you're like, why is my fish so unhappy? So you get the best looking fish you possibly can and you lay it next to your fish and you think, great, now it's got a partner. It's going to be really cozy, really comfortable and, and your fish is still flapping and you're thinking, what can I do? I know what I can do. And so you get out your phone and you take some beautiful beach pictures and beautiful fish pictures that are all the same color. And so it's beautifully color coordinated on a fish Instagram where you get some brilliantly put together fish hashtags and you take a picture of your fish and people start liking the picture and you think, brilliant, now my fish is going to be happy. And you look down and your fish is dead. The reality is many of us look for happiness in the wrong place, just like we try and satisfy the fish with the wrong thing. Many of us forget that we were not made for this earth. We were made for something greater. Many of us are looking for happiness in low places where God wants us to look for happiness in higher places with a greater contentment, a greater purpose and a greater joy. Listen, I do not think that happiness and holiness are mutually exclusive. In fact, I do think that holiness is a pathway to a greater contentment, a greater purpose and a greater joy, a contentment that's not going to waver under the uncertainties of life a purpose that goes far greater than we could ever possibly imagine, a joy that runs far deeper than any momentary happiness could ever offer us. As we draw closer to who God is, we recognize these things. There's a psalm that was written in the Old Testament, a song that was uh, written that says this, Psalm 16, verse 11. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. 
when we recognize our creator and our heavenly father and we grow close to him, our heavenly father who implanted gifts and skills and passions within us, who knows what puts a smile on our face, who knows how we rest best, who wants to give us good gifts as his children, we recognize that there is something far greater than just things that we can grab momentarily for a little bit of happiness. We understand that there is a greater contentment up for grabs that's not wavered by the things of this world. We know that there is a greater joy available to us. We know that there is a purpose that God wants us to live. I don't think that happiness and holiness are mutually exclusive, but actually holiness is a pathway to a greater purpose, contentment and joy. Let me tell you a story. When I was 14 years old, I used to play a lot of rugby. In fact, sometimes I'd be playing four or five times a week, once for my local team, for my school team, and then I'd train a couple of times a week and occasionally be called up to play for a higher age group. I used to love the environment on the field. I got pretty good at it, and a lot of my identity came from that place. But a difficulty arose when uh, it came quickly apparent that more and more games for my local team were going to be on Sunday mornings, the same time as when I'd normally go to church. Now, for me, church was an incredibly supportive environment, but I knew that if I was just to decide on what I was going to do based on what made me happy, I'd probably choose the rugby, just because that's where I felt I could prove myself and show that I was good at something. After praying into this a little bit, I did get an overwhelming sense, though, that actually maybe giving up that part of my life for a little while was going to be beneficial, that I should invest more of my time into my church community with people I knew there. Let me tell you, in that time when I decided to make that decision, I heard God's voice perhaps more clearly than I ever have in my life since. I grew greater, deeper relationships with people than I could have possibly imagined. It led to opportunities that allowed me to travel around the world, and it allowed my faith to grow in ways I could have never possibly imagined. It led to an adventure that was far greater than I could have possibly understood at the time. Let me tell you, when I get into trouble now, or if I was to get into a moment where I needed help from people, I don't think I'd be able to call on a single member of the team that I was part of, uh, either one of those teams. But there would be plenty of people who uh, I know from my church experience, my church background, that would still be rooting for me, still be praying for me, and I would still be able to reach out to now. In that moment, I had a conviction that there was something greater to follow that would bring me a greater purpose, a greater contentment, and a greater joy. I hear or have heard a lot recently from people online or people I've been speaking to a phrase that gets spoken time and time again. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I've used it too. And the phrase is, I can't wait for things to get back to normal. I can't wait for lockdowns to end. I can't wait for shops to open. I can't wait to see people. And I totally get the sentiment behind that. And I kind of agree. But here's the thing. When things were normal, I still heard a lot of people complain about their lives. A lot of things weren't going right for them. And I think that maybe there is an opportunity even now that we don't need to wait for that God wants to be encouraging us to move into. A way of life that goes for something greater that we don't need a lockdown to end in order for us to start. In order to start, I want to ask you this question. 
What are you currently pursuing that offers momentary pleasure at the expense of an adventure? What are you pursuing that is offering momentary pleasure at the expense of an adventure? As we draw closer to our heavenly father, we start to be attracted less by our momentary pleasures in order that he might lead us into a greater adventure. And increasingly, we become less and less like the fish on the shoreline. What are those momentary pleasures that you seek, which are at the expense of the adventure that God wants for you? Is it an alcohol thing where you know that just one more drink might make you feel a little bit better, where you know you're getting yourself into a cycle more and more and more where it's leading downwards? Is it a relationship that you know isn't good for you, that your friends are telling you, hey, maybe this isn't a good idea for you right now for whatever reason, that's leading you to a place that you don't want to be, that you're pursuing just because it's making you a little bit more content in that one moment, when actually in the future it's going to break apart? Maybe it's a job role or a position that you've got that you always wanted, that you always pursued, but you know it's at the expense of family. You know it's at the expense of other things that you know should be a high priority. Let me tell you something. Holiness and happiness are not mutually exclusive, but holiness does lead. It's a pathway to a greater joy, a greater contentment, and a greater purpose. Jesus never, ever said, just do what makes you happy because it's just not good enough. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.